Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want any more information on the things that we're doing, whether sermon series, podcasts, and more, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. And more, Alex. And more, Chris. There's, there may not be that much more on there. Oh, there's ministries. There you go. Things and, like that. And there's an update coming, mm-hmm. so I'm told. Yeah. Of course, if people are listening to this in 2030, the update is... Long past. Eight years old or seven years old. It's October 2022 right now. Yeah. So today is uh, probably the episode that we need to do now because you promised it. <laughs> Should make good on those promises. Yes, <laughs> but secondarily, it's the, one of the episodes that I'm I'm most interested in talking about, but I'm probably least interested in because we'd have to unpack a lot to really make it make sense. Yeah. So we're walking a strange line here. Yeah, walking the line of like scratching the surface so this is helpful. Maybe pointing you to some resources if yes. you'd like to dig more. Without this is kind of one of those things where like if you hear half of it. It could either freak you out or confuse mm-hmm. a lot. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll try to like set a nice table and maybe you say like, oh, this is great and I love it and thanks. And maybe you're like, I'd love to do some more. Either of those could happen. And if, if either of those happen, we just give us your feedback because we'll either make more or we'll never do it again. So <clears throat> Mark 1, I think is where I want to focus us here. There's two parts, there's two different words used in Mark 1 that most people would probably just skim over and think nothing of. And I want to read the two passages. So Mark 1, verse 23, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And that unclean spirit, or the man, cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So that's interesting. Hmm. And then a few verses later, it says, verse 39, and Jesus went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Interesting. Yeah. Two different, two different terms. Two different terms. And most of us would probably not think much of it. Most of us would just think the word demons is clearly the same term. Right. I mean, you hear demon, you think evil spirit, you hear evil spirit. Most of us just think demons. But I think where I want to kind of start us here is what's interesting is that in the first century Jewish mind, I don't know that those two words were as synonymous as they are today. That's not to say, please, you need to hear this sentence very clearly. That is not to say that they aren't the same thing. They might very well be the same thing. But there's more than enough scholarship that has been done, and the Dead Sea Scrolls have helped us with this a lot, that at least in the first century mind, it seems that demons were one thing and evil spirits were another. Again, that may not be a differentiation. They might be the same. But I want to just pose the possibility maybe they are the same – or sorry, they aren't the same thing. What would that mean? What, What would we do with that? So back to you, Alex. Yeah, most of the reading that I did in preparation for this sermon 
kind of would touch on this and would say, hey, there's some conversation about uh, these two terms not being synonymous. But for the purposes of what that author was writing, they took them as synonymous. <clears throat> and so you, you generally think of scholarship, you think like your first level of scholarship is like your study Bible. And then sure. your next level of scholarship is like pastoral commentary. So those are commentaries that just kind of speak about general themes. Your next level of scholarship is uh, critical commentaries. And so that's kind of the level I was at. So even at that third level, they're saying, you know, for our purposes, we're going to treat them as synonymous because that's what the particular author thinks, but is also pointing to other authors where like your fourth level, this is where you're finding uh, individual books that might be written on one concept or one word, or even people's dissertations. You know, I, I always remember walking around Trinity's library and there's just this huge wall of dissertations that I'm like, I'm pretty sure yep. most of these have never been pulled off the shelf, maybe once yep. or twice. But that, that's kind of the, the level. And so in our conversation, I don't think we're going to get to like a dissertation level, but we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about some of the potential here that these two may or may not be synonymous. A lot of people think they are, but there is, I think, some compelling stuff out there that, that says that they're different. Yeah. So here's the case that I would make to say that they're different. In the first century, especially, we would call that the second temple period, right? And I feel like we have to put so much context on this just to right. give people some wisdom. So the second temple period began when the second temple was built. That would be why they called it the second temple. So the first temple was Solomon's. The second temple was built upon return from the exile. Herod, at the time of Jesus, had basically put new rocks on it. It looked beautiful, huge. It was, it was big. But that's all the second temple. So so from right. the exile all the way to 70 AD, we would call the second temple period. Right. This is the temple that Ezra built, if you're yes. following along in the Bible, and that, like you mentioned, Herod kind of remodeled. Yes, made it huge and, and big. Because the Ezra one, if you remember, people cried when they saw it because it was nothing like Solomon's. Right. right. So there was clearly some work being done over this whole second temple period. But what's interesting is during the Second Temple period, a lot of the re the literature that we have access to today was written during this time. So you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. I think everybody has. And when we think of the Dead Sea Scrolls, we usually think of like the Isaiah Scroll, which is the whole book of Isaiah in one scroll, which is amazing. That that was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. That was like one of the best finds that anybody found. Right. But there's also a whole bunch of other things like receipts or little chunks of paper, sermons people wrote or... Uh, I would even say, I would use the word like a commentary, for example. Right. So like a first Enoch is a strange book. Uh, some of the early church fathers thought maybe it should be in the Bible, but they argued about it. And eventually those who thought it should be said, those who don't feel it should be are, they're led by the spirit as well. Since we can't find any peace on this, let's just leave it out and move on, mm -hmm. which is a great reason to leave it out. And when you read it, if you ever read First Enoch, you'll see why it's left out. It is crazy. And yeah. it's saying things that are all over the place, but really it seems to be like it's a commentary of the Old Testament, specifically the book of Genesis and specifically really chapter six, this Nephilim weird kind of situation. Right. And before we get all weird about the other books, we're not, Chris and I, and most people are not saying mm -hmm. that these are scripture at all, but- these were popular books that the people during Second Temple Judaism would have known. Absolutely. Like this was like, you know, what what book did I read? To Kill a Mockingbird, right? Like sure. every kid in 
is ninth grade for me has to read sure. to kill a mockingbird so if somebody starts talking about you know atticus finch or something like that like okay i know what they're talking about i know the general theme of book that's kind of enoch in some of these other books for them yeah not, we're not saying like oh there's so much truth in these books necessarily but yeah as as we start seeing kind of some references that come out of there or some similarities this would have been on their minds in second temple judaism yeah i think uh i love your example of to kill a mockingbird i think the closest example to it today would be imagine a thousand years from now we find a bunch of left behind books laying around <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a that's a commentary view of one element of how they think the end times is going to go, right? right? So imagine if you found those a thousand years from now in a cave and you're like, is this what the Christians believed? Well, a group of Christians did, right? Yeah. Which is very similar to Dead Sea Scrolls. We're talking about a very strange group, the Essenes, that we know very little about. They hid all these things in the in a cave, but they're religious texts in mind, whereas To Kill a Mockingbird, yeah, sure. less, less religious Whereas left behind is a certain view of a scripture. And first Enoch seems to be that. They, it, it has a very religious tone to it. They're pulling from scripture. They're making it say all kinds of things. But if you read it, it you're going to go, this doesn't feel like scripture. It feels like just a one-off. Well, what's weird about it, though, is first Enoch and other books begin to paint this picture that the rebellious people in Genesis 6 and elsewhere were wiped out in the flood. And the souls of some of those individuals didn't leave the earth because they had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of reasons why they had nowhere to go. But when you're reading in the Levitical code about unclean animals, most of the animals that the Israelites aren't allowed to eat, you can't eat them because they'd live in two places. Mm -hmm. So one of the most famous on this is a salamander, for example, right? right? It's in the water and it's on land. And God said, don't eat the salamander. Well, a lot of good scholars have said, it's not so much that the salamander is unclean, what makes it unclean is it's, it's living simultaneously in two places. And what God is preferring is that we eat something either directly out of the water, fish, or something on land that doesn't, you know, what, what, what is it? It has to chew the cud and ha not have split hooves or whatever. Yep. Um, the cloven <clears throat> hoof and right. chew the cud. Right. So it's, on land, it has a certain mode of, of, you know, operation. And then from the sky, certain birds, but the birds that are typically unclean are the ones that eat dead things mm -hmm. so that you don't want something living, eating something dead and, and dealing with that way. So it's interesting that a lot of what becomes unclean in the Old Testament are things that are going between two different realms, I think mm -hmm. is the way I would put it. Sure. And so what happens in the second temple period during this time of Jesus, a lot of people are saying the souls of these people who aren't able to go to heaven or, or, or Sheol, right? They're not able to go to the good or the bad side of Sheol. They're stuck on earth. They're just wandering around. The best way they describe those is they're just unclean spirits. Mm -hmm. Whereas the word demon, you know, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, don't offer sacrifices to these idols. We all know that there is nothing to an idol. It's just stone or brick or, or wood. But what we do know is that there is a demon behind the idol. Right. And so what Paul's talking about there is actually some type of rebellious spiritual being. Right. Whether we're talking about Satan, right, or Satan or, or, or the devil, or any one of his minions, these, right. these demons. That's the word we would use there. Right, because, you know, I think... American culture is really bad at teaching us about spiritual beings, right? We see movies and TVs and cartoons where, you know, uh, Sylvester the cat dies and turns into an angel. And that's mm -hmm. not, <clears throat> excuse me, that's not what happens. Uh, you know, the devil is a little red creature with a pitchfork. Probably also not what happens. Um, 
So it's important for us to think about what are the different spiritual beings described in Scripture. Uh, you have, of course, God himself in the Trinity. You have mm-hmm. the angels or messengers, his divine counsel, this group of creatures that he's created, such as you know, uh, seraphim sure. and cherubim. And then you have, yep. uh, some of them are named, right? You've got like Gabriel and, and Michael. Michael. Mm-hmm. And then some of them are named like Lucifer, who appears to be one of those created creatures that rebels and then leads a portion of those created creatures. And so that's that's what I would see in scripture as demon. A demon is one of those spiritual beings. Now, when we look at uh, the idols in the, creature behind those i think most likely it's one of those one of those demons that lucifer has led away that has some sort of influence and power on the earth certainly not anything close to what you know god has no but they have some sort of influence and power enough to deceive people into worshiping and creating images for them sure which is the exact opposite of what god wants us to do for him absolutely so so rebellion but i think also we got to remember that as people we're spiritual beings as well and I think that's where where I often kind of forget to include humans in the discussion of spiritual beings in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, that's true. That a lot of us leave that part out. Right. We don't even think about it. We don't talk about it a lot. And then we mischaracterize things. And again, back to what I said in the beginning of the podcast, I don't know that we're mischaracterizing. We're, we're moving into a realm here that I don't really know fully what to do with. I've done a lot of research on it. Some of this plays into what I'm working on for my doctorate. But I'll be honest, like I'm four years into studying this and I'm I'm not some of the arguments people have made, I'm not as convinced that they're right. I just don't know. And the scripture is silent on some of this. Yeah. But let's move back to the Mark one. I think it's interesting then that Mark is jumping back and forth between words like evil spirits, which is one word in Greek, and daimonion which is another word in greek that deals with right. with demons especially in the context of mentioning the holy spirit within that yes. like same word same word for spirit there the holy spirit and now there are unclean spirits yes so which the holy spirit clearly would be a being that is that is holy that is set apart that's different sanctified right not sanctified in the sense that we are but just it it's so set apart it's different and it can't live in a space that is unclean mm-hmm versus a spirit that is defined by it being unclean, that it lives in a certain space. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is it's very possible that the disciples are watching individuals do things and they go, that person is an unclean spirit. And in their mind, that wouldn't have meant a demon as far as a rebellious angel. In their mind, it might very well have been, this is a leftover spirit that hasn't left the planet that is trying to infect people and fill them up. So it's very possible that they would have separated the two categories. Um, mm-hmm. And you'd say maybe a lower level angel that's rebellious would be called a demon. But the very high level ones would be doing things you know, way different, such as leading nations, things like that. So we talk about the prince of Persia or the prince of Babylon, which is these are things that come up in the Old Testament. Um, it's interesting that, that they see these individuals as they're leading these nations that are rebellious against God. Yeah, I'm curious in five, right? Five is where we meet Legion, is that right? Yep. Yeah, what is Legion called? The, uh, unclean spirit, man with an unclean spirit. No one could bind him. Yep. 
to do when he saw Jesus, he fell before him. And I find it interesting that it says he's a man with an unclean spirit. And then he says, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. That's what Jesus says to him. And then Jesus asks the spirit, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Which then ties us back to that Genesis 6 rebellion a little bit. Because in the first four verses of Genesis 6, it says things like, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. Well, quite often when the word heroes of old, men of renown is used in the Old Testament, it's talking about mighty warriors. Right. So I think it's very interesting then that this being here, whoever it is, says, we are legion, which is a military term for we are many. Right. That's to me, that's a almost a slam dunk of like there's some kind of connection here to some of these things in the Old Testament. Yeah. And so what a curious episode too, because he says to him, Come out, and Jesus asked him, What is your name? Is this post exorcism, right? Jesus says, Come out. Mm-mm. Unclean spirit comes out. Well, maybe he says my name is Legion for Mary. For we are many. Like I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like out of the man. So the man is now cleansed to the unclean spirit, but the unclean spirit is like existing outside of the body of the man, because they begged him, saying, "Send us to the pigs." He gave yeah. them permission. Yeah. Uh, and it's then very came, possible. Oh. That would be an interesting thing, wouldn't it be? Yeah. But it does say in the they came out and entered the pigs. But what's crazy though is if you go down to sixteen. And those who had seen it described them what had happened to the demon-possessed man. So there he's called yep. demon-possessed. It goes back and forth. Yeah. Especially in Mark. And I think that's why a lot of scholars would point to them being um, uh, synonymous terms. Sure. Which which is also very compelling, right? 18, as he was getting into both yep. the man who had been possessed with demons, begged that he might be with them. Yep. And like I said... I don't know that I can make the argument as conclusively as I'd like it to be. Right. But I do want to suggest, like I said, in the first century and in the second temple period, there is definitely literature that's pointing out that there's a difference between the two. Whether that's true or not in Mark's mind doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. But it does tell us we need to we need to just be wise and look at what actually is being said in the scriptures. And I think one of the things that I think about too with this, and and I know this is something you're passionate about, go back to verse 15. Mm -hmm. They came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had been legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And I think one of the things that we need to be very careful about is what (laughs) – today we, we, we make it weird because at times we'll say, well, that's not really this. That's demon possession. And I'm thinking of schizophrenia or yeah. some, some elements of bipolar or other things. People make it be something that it's not. I mean, there's clearly a demon interaction going on here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we can't stigmatize that every single disease that's mental is demon. Right. Right. Because the. Yeah. How do I say this? When, when people read scripture. And sometimes they try to make everything make logical sense according to the current scientific method, right? They try to de-spiritualize things. They might look at, oh, yeah, you know, back in the day, they didn't understand mental health. So if somebody had schizophrenia or multiple personalities or or any type of uh, illness like that, they would just say that they're demon-possessed. Right. And I I think there is... um, there is a possibility that some of the people Jesus interacted with were that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I don't think that takes anything out of the power of Jesus because he certainly does in this instance in chapter five here, he's interacting with the spirit being. Um, but in other instances, if it says, you know, cast out a demon, it, it may have meant healed uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just as powerful to heal a mental illness as it is to cast out a demon. Um, and, then, and then fast forwarding today, I think both of these things still can happen. We yes. can still see demon possession or influence or oppression and mental illness. And those are two different things. Not only two different things, but important for us to notice that Jesus has the power over both, right? right. I mean, you talked about mind, body, and spirit a, a couple of weeks ago in a sermon. I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with that. Jesus has power over all those things. He's proving it to us in Mark, right? So I don't think the Legion situation is a person who just has schizophrenia. Right. At the same time, there are certain accounts where it says, and then Jesus went out casting demons around people. It is completely possible that the disciples weren't able to fully understand exactly what's going on. So it's quite possible Jesus is looking at someone and saying, all right, change your mind, you know, and and their mind begins to like be rewired inside because of his healing power. Right. And the disciples would have seen that and said, oh, that's totally a demon possession. And it's not. Right. But they would have said he was casting out demons. And he actually is casting out demons like Legion, you know, or, right. or evil spirits, whatever word we want to use here. So this is probably as clear as mud for most people. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we answered any questions today. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting that when you're reading through Mark, I, I just want you to notice how many times those terms flip back and forth. Yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy? Even within uh, the own story. In Mark 9, we have the boy. And in, in verse 17, I'm not all the way through it here, but verse 17, someone in the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Hmm. Called neither a demon nor an unclean spirit. He just has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, foams, grinds. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And when, yeah, verse 20, and when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately convulsed, he fell on the ground. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting that it's just called the spirit. So uh, here's here's how I want to leave this. For us, because we you know we could go on and on with this, and and like I said, if you want more episodes on this, we'll we'll dig into it a little more and show you some more things if you want. If you're done with this, you know, just enjoy this last episode we ever do on this topic. Uh, <laughs> but either way, I just want to challenge you as you're reading Mark, dig a little bit. Read a little bit, think about it a little bit. You're going to notice some interesting things now that we've pointed this little detail out to you. And our main goal with the podcast is, like I said, to bring up things that, again, we've just talked for almost 30 minutes about a concept that could take hours to get into, but it's something you probably didn't notice in Mark. So what we want you to do is just be a little more in-depth with your Bible study. We want you to stop and just read and think, why is that word being used here? Why is this word being used here? Is there a differentiation between the two? And like I'm saying, in the first century, most people saw it as a differentiation. Mark is strange because he flips back and forth as much as he does. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what that does for us. Yeah. But it's interesting. I just like that's another push. Like use your journal. If you don't have one of these journals, grab these journals because – I've even, as I've gone through, like circling words and numbering the amount, like, you know, I just, I just started today noticing kingdom, how many times Jesus says kingdom. And so in the margin now, I draw this 
super simple stick crown, tiny little crown and write a one. And then the next time I see it, write a two, just because I want to keep track of how the kingdom theme is being progressed and marked. So many things that like, use your journal to notice these things, to slow down, to look at the text and say, wow, you know, like this theme comes up a lot. How is it, how is it handled in this passage? How is it handled in this? How do, how do we get a fuller picture of this just by noticing the words that are used? Yeah. I'm with you. Words matter, especially in the Bible. And if God is going to give us his word by his spirit, we should probably do our best to read through it and take careful time doing it. So maybe you want to go back through Mark at this point, And every time you see the word demon possessed or evil spirit, you just do some kind of weird circle around it or something. There you go. Have fun. Have fun.